Go in your Bible to Romans chapter 8, please. Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. Praise God. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over to us all, or for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies who is the one who condemns Jesus Christ? Is he who died? Yes, rather, he who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God, and that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might receive the word. We ask that in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I've been sharing with you on this little phrase, all things belong to you. How many of you have received that word from God? The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church saying, All things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. And this uh, phrase is important for each one of us because it is the simple declaration of all of the inheritance that you and I have in Christ. You and I in Christ have been given every single thing that we will ever need to do the will of God, to fulfill the purpose of God, to accomplish those things that God has designed us for. All of that has been provided in Christ, and it's entered into by us by faith. And so as we come to this eighth chapter of Romans, we find the same truth restated. And if you ever have uh, the time to study a chapter of the Bible, I want you to read Romans 8 because it is a vast uh, treasure house of truth. The chapter begins by making the statement that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. How many of you are in Christ this morning? There's no greater treasure than that to know that there is no longer condemnation, wrath, or judgment for those who are in Christ. And then the chapter continues and it gives us the great truth of the fact, the fact that the Holy Spirit prays through us when we don't know how to pray. And it says the Holy Spirit prays through us with groaning, too deep for words. Because we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. And so he prays through the believer and gives him power in prayer. What an incredible treasure 
that is to be able to pray according to the will of God, not because you know the will of God, but because the Holy Spirit knows the will of God and is praying through your life. And then we get down to the latter part of the chapter, and Paul uses the phrase twice, the phrase all things. The first time, he used it in verse 32, and he says that if God did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not with him also freely give us all things? Somebody say all things. Now, the, the argument that Paul is making there is simply this. If God bankrupted heaven by giving us Jesus, he literally gave us the most expensive, the most precious, the greatest treasure of heaven by giving us his son Jesus. He says, if God did not withhold the most precious thing, how will he withhold any of the things that you and I need? But with Christ, and that's the key right there, with Christ, he has given us all things. So we have this vast and precious inheritance but we have it in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that has made all things available to us. He's made righteousness and peace and joy available to us. He's, he's made victory over the flesh, the world, and the devil available to us. He has made the provision of our, of our daily bread as well as the desires of our heart available to us. All of it is in Christ. And if God did not withhold Christ from us, he will not withhold any other thing. For the Bible says that God will not withhold any good thing from those who seek him. And uh, thank God that he withholds the, the not good thing. Say amen, somebody. But uh, he will not withhold any good thing. So if there's something you're praying for that God seems to be withholding, just hang on. It's not good for you yet. When it's good for you, he'll bring it into your life. And if it's not good for you, he'll leave it out of your life. And you should be happy with that. Say amen. And then Paul uses the phrase again in the latter part of the chapter. And he says that in all things, we are more than conquerors. We are overwhelmingly conquering through Christ. And that's the phrase that I want to deal with this morning because Paul is talking about the overwhelming victory of the believer. And this is part of the all things that God has made available and, and has provided for you through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. In all things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. And this truth uh, uh, that Paul gives us is one that ought to be meditated on by the believer. But more importantly, it is one that you and I have to live out and walk in by faith every single day. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down because this is very important. And if you're not taking notes, then write it in, your, in, the, in the archives of your mind, all right? And, uh, and commit this to memory because it's very important. You and I are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. I want you to say that with me. I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory. Now, there's a, a truth in that that's very important for us to grasp. Our victory is not coming. Your victory this week, the, the victory that you need, is not coming this week. The victory that you need was given to you, guaranteed, at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. Say amen, somebody. So you are not fighting for victory this week. You are fighting from victory. You already have the victory. You already have the, the, uh, uh, the power to overwhelmingly 
triumph. You already have the grace of God, the strength of God, the power of God at work, resident in your life to bring about those things that God wants to do in your life. One of our core values here as a church, we have five core values. One of them is that everyone can live in victory. We do not accept the idea that if you are a drug addict, you always have to be a drug addict. Or if you are depressed, you always have to be depressed. Or that if you are uh, poor, you always have to be poor. We don't accept that. We believe that everybody can live in victory. We believe that the poor can become prosperous. Amen, somebody. We believe that the broken can be made whole. We believe that the drug addict can be made sober. We believe that the lost can be found. Come on, somebody. That's what we believe, all of us. Every person can live in victory. Every day of your life, you can live in victory. And you're not fighting for that victory. You're fighting from that victory. You've already been given that victory in Christ. Now, Paul says here, in all of these things, what is he talking about well whenever you read a phrase like that you want to read the the verses that come before it to give you an idea of what the author is talking about and in this case the writer of Romans is talking about some things he had just mentioned in the previous verses and he says that there are some things that tend to or might threaten to separate us from our victory or to separate us from God and he lists them there and I want you to read uh, with me in verse 35, if you have your Bible open, and he says that there are uh, tribulations, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, and sword. These are the things that Paul is talking about. Now, how many of you would acknowledge this morning that sometimes in your life things happen that doesn't seem like God is anywhere in your life? When, when you're just real about it, you go through some moments in your life where it just seems like there's no evidence of God's activity in my life right now. My, my prayers aren't being answered, or uh, my, my finances are going low, or my health is going downhill, and where is God? And those moments of our life are part of the human experience. And Paul tells us you're going to have... To go through tribulations. Jesus said in this world you will have tribulation. You'll have trouble. That's part of the human experience. Nobody gets through life without tribulation. Nobody gets through life without going through trouble. And that word tribulation, it literally means pressure. Life will put pressure on you. And the idea in the, in the, in the uh, choice of Paul's word there is that we experience external pressure. Pressures that come from outside of us. These pressures might come because of a bill that you got in the mail that you can't pay or cover this month. Or maybe the pressure comes because the doctor called you back and said, you need to hurry back. We need to talk to you. We got your test results. Or maybe the pressure comes because your lawyer says we're not going to be able to win this case. Or maybe the pressure comes because you have a son or daughter rebelling against you. And all of these things, just life in general, creates pressure on us. In fact, the word in the Greek has the, the visual image of a threshing floor. Now, you and I, we don't go to threshing floors anymore because we go to H-E-B. But in the old days, if you wanted to eat tortillas, you had to go and uh, harvest the grain. And so you would go and they would cut down the wheat. And then they would take it up to a hilltop. 
But there was a hard surface, usually a, a, a hard piece of ground or a, a, a large rock. And they would take the grain and they would lay it out onto that rock. And then they would take an ox cart and they would roll it over that, uh, over that grain to break it up. And then they would take the grain, scooping it up, and they would cast it into the air. They'd throw it up in the air. And as the, the wind would come over that hilltop, uh, it would blow away the chaff, the leaves, the, the inedible part. And it would uh, allow the grain to fall down to the ground. And if they didn't have any wind, they would take a fan. And they would raise that fan up. And they would blow away the chaff so that the grain could come to the ground. That's what John the Baptist was talking about in the Gospel of John when he said that the, the Messiah was coming and his fan was in his hand, that he was coming to clean out the world, to take out the chaff. That's what the word uh, tribulation means. Or it, it has the image of a person's life being put through the threshing process. And let, let me tell you, friends, this is what the enemy wanted to do to Peter. Jesus said to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. He wants to break you down. He wants to destroy your defenses. He wants to cast you under his feet. He wants to throw you up in the air and uh, disorient your life. And then he wants to blow you away. And that's Satan's plan, not just for Peter, but for every believer, every life. Satan wants to tear you down. He wants to, or break you down. He wants to throw you up. And uh, he wants to blow you away. But what Satan didn't realize was that through that threshing process, what was actually happening was the refining of the wheat. And that's what you and I have to be encouraged by this morning. That tribulations do not serve to destroy or diminish us. Tribulations serve to strengthen and refine us. And what Satan doesn't seem to realize is that every time he breaks us down, the only thing he can break is the part we don't need. And every time he tries to blow us away, the only thing he can blow away is the part that's not good for anything. And the result is grain that is pure and refined and full of glory. This morning I just want to tell you that you can be a conqueror even in the midst of tribulation. Even in the midst of the threshing process in your life. Then Paul says we have not only uh, tribulations, but distresses. Now this word in the Hebrew for distress, it now deals similar as the previous word, but it deals with internal pressure. This is the grief that comes to the mind. And the mind is such a powerful thing. It's such a powerful uh, force that when you uh, 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 cultivate of negativity or grief in your mind, when you carry around hurts and heartaches in your mind, it weighs you down. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that a, 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 a healthy spirit or a, a joyful spirit can, can heal the body. And it says that a man can endure sickness, but who can endure a broken spirit? So when a man's spirit is down, when he is afflicted by, by the internal pressures, this is not coming from the outside anymore. This is just me. This is just you dealing with the what ifs and the regrets and the if onlys of life, carrying around the baggage of thoughts from yesterday and thoughts about tomorrow. And I've discovered that many, many men deal with these particular pressures when everybody else is, uh, is sleeping at night, a man will be awake 
with the internal pressures of, of providing for his family, of meeting the needs of his home, of keeping the job, of making sure that they have the resources that they need for that particular thing that his children have asked him for. And these afflictions can come into our life by simply living life. It's not that you've done anything wrong. It's not that you have broken any of God's laws. It's just life, friend. But let me tell you what Paul is saying here. That in the midst of life's griefs and afflictions, in the midst of life's eternal pressures, you can overwhelmingly conquer. You can walk in victory over those pressures in your life. Say amen, somebody. That's God's promise for your life. Then he says we have persecutions. And this is when, when a, an enemy rises up against the word of God in your life. The Bible said that the seed fell into the soil and it started to grow. But the persecution arose because of the word. And let me tell you, friend, if the word of God is in your life, you can expect persecution. The enemy is going to persecute the word of God in your life. He wants to interrupt what God is doing through his word in your heart, in your family, and in your life. These persecutions arise because of the word. In fact, the Bible says that all who live godly will be persecuted. That's a simple fact. Because you and I are walking against the grain of life. We're walking against the current of a culture. And so there is persecution against the word of God. And the enemy comes against, against the word of God to try to rob you. I'll give you an example. If this morning you'd say, you know what, I haven't been tithing. I decided I'm going to tithe this Sunday and every Sunday after this. You make that decision. You come put your tithe in the offering box. I'll tell you what the enemy's going to do when you get outside and say, you're not going to make it this month. You're not going to have enough money. And he'll start persecuting the word. He'll start persecuting the faith that you have because he doesn't want you to enter into the victory that you have been given. But Paul is saying you can have victory even up against persecution, even up against the attack and the contradiction of the enemy concerning the word of God. And then he talks about nakedness and hunger. Now Paul is talking about lack, insufficiency, not having everything that you need. The two basic things that a man needs or that a human being needs, food and clothes. He needs those very basic things to feel a right about himself, to be able to live, to be able to exist. And yet we find that Paul says even in the midst of nakedness and peril, even in the midst of lack, you can overwhelmingly conquer. That you can have the victory that God has provided to you through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning when we hear Paul say, in all of these things, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about tribulation, distress, persecution, and lack. In all of these things, what do we do? We overwhelmingly conquer. Say that with me. Overwhelmingly conquer. One more time. Overwhelmingly conquer. Now, what is a conqueror? Well, a conqueror is someone who, by definition, has to fight for victory. And this person has gone into battle, whether it be uh, a, uh, a physical battle, a war, a, a uh, conflict between, uh, of arms between two nations or two peoples, that would be considered uh, a conqueror, someone who goes into a fight. It might be a football team that goes up against another football team. It might be uh, a, a person going for a job 
uh, against other more qualified people. Whatever the case is, the word conqueror implies that you have fought in order to obtain something that you did not have. And the outcome of that fight was that you won. And you won in a big way. How many of you like to win in a big way? You know, some people will take a one-point win. But most of us, we like to have a big win. So there's no doubt that I'm the conqueror. Well, that's what the Bible is talking about here. The conqueror has won in a decisive way. There was no way this was uh, mistaken. There was no way this victory wasn't real. And yet the Bible does not say that you and I are conquerors. Listen closely. It does not say that you and I are conquerors. What does it say? It says that we are more than conquerors. It says that we overwhelmingly conquer. Now, you and I need to think about that this morning and ask this question. What does that mean? If a conqueror has to fight uh, to gain what he has obtained, what does a more than conqueror have to do? And that is the position that you and I are in. You and I are not conquerors. You and I are more than conquerors. And I'll define that for you simply like this. A more than conqueror is someone who enjoys the spoils of victory without having gone to battle. Listen closely to that. A more than conqueror is someone who enjoys the spoils of victory, the results, the fruit of the victory, without having to fight for the victory. He has not gone to battle. What am I telling you this morning? This morning I'm telling you that 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross and he fought sin and he fought darkness and he fought the devil and he won. He fought death and he won. Say amen somebody. He is the conqueror. Jesus has conquered the grave. He has conquered death. He has conquered hell. He has conquered the devil. He has conquered evil. He has conquered darkness. He has conquered sin. He has conquered de de defeat. He has conquered sickness and he has conquered every power that is in the world up against the power of God. Jesus has done the conquering for you. Now you are a more than conqueror. That means you and I do not have to go to the cross. We don't have to fight the devil. You will not find a single verse in the Bible that says fight the devil. Oh, pastor, I'm fighting the devil this week. Well, stop it. Nobody told you to fight the devil. You fight the devil, you lose. Jesus fought the devil. Jesus destroyed the powers of the devil. Come on, somebody. He vanquished him on the cross. You and I have to resist the devil. That's what the Bible says. You resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So stop fighting devils that have already been defeated. Jesus has done the fighting for you. He fought sin, and he won. You don't have to fight sin. You're dead to sin. The Bible said that if you're in Christ, you're dead to sin. And so you and I have to walk now in the victory of Christ. Not in my victory. Not in your victory. In Christ's victory. Now I am a more than conqueror because you and I are enjoying the spoils of his war. We're enjoying the fruit of his labor. We are enjoying the grace that he has made available to us because this is not something that you and I could earn. It is not something that you and I can earn. 
It is simply enjoyed by faith. It is walked in by faith. And so when afflictions and tribulation and distress come into your life, when lack comes into a situation in your life, you and I do not need to fight the situation. We need to walk in the victory that Christ has already given us. We do that by faith. We, know, we do that in knowing that all things belong to us and that the victory is already guaranteed to us through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to read some Bible verses to you before I close because I want you to understand where this victory comes from. First of all, John 16, verse 33. Jesus said, I have told you these things that you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Why are you an overcomer this morning? Why are you more than a conqueror this morning? Because Jesus has overcome the world. Say amen, somebody. I have not overcome the world, but Jesus has overcome the world. And if I try to fight the culture, the culture will overcome me. But if I stand in the victory of Jesus, the culture cannot overcome me, and it cannot overcome you, so long as you are standing in the victory of Jesus. Every other place you stand is quicksand. It's a faulty foundation. But you and I, as we stand in Christ, have overcome the world. Everything Jesus has, you have. Say that with me. Everything Christ has, I have. Listen now, that means if, he's, if he has health, you have health. Two amens. I said, if he has health, you have health. Thank you. That's a little better. If he has peace, you have peace. If he has joy, you have joy. So walk in it. The best example I can give you, you all, those of you who are parents, you have them at home. They're called children. Some of them are not even children anymore. They're grown. They have jobs. And they still come and raid your refrigerator and your pantry and eat your food. You know, this is not an altar call. Not an altar call. I'm just, just giving you an example. Why do they do that? Because they are enjoying your victory. You bought the food. They're eating the food. And your four-year-old never wakes up in the morning and says, I don't have milk money, and I don't know how I'm going to get through the day. And they've never even thought about it. Because they know I have a mama, I have a daddy, and if I forget my milk money and I call from school, they will bring me a McDonald's Happy Meal and make my day. And if they drop the ball, grandma and grandpa got my back. Come on, somebody. That's what your children do. You're God's child. Did you hear me? I said, you're God's child. You call God Father. Some call him creator. Some call him master. But you call him Father. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Come on, somebody. Your Father has provided all things. He has overcome the world. Then Romans chapter 8, 
verse 35. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Why am I an overcomer? Why can I overwhelmingly conquer? Because nothing can separate me from God's love. What shall separate you from the love of Christ? Nothing. That's why you can't be defeated. That's why you, you will go above and not beneath. That's why you are the head and not the tail. Because nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Not even persecution or tribulation or affliction or lack or poverty or even prosperity. Nothing can separate you from the love of your Father. He has loved you with an everlasting love. And when you walk in that knowledge, you realize, I've got it made. That's why I had you confess that earlier. You've got it made. In Spanish, they say, la tengo hecha. When I was a little boy in church, they used to sing this song. Hard to translate in Spanish, but I'm, in English, but I'm going to try. It says, I'm going to praise God with my mouth. If I don't have, well, I think I started wrong. I'm going to praise God with my feet. And if I don't have feet, I'll praise him with my hands. And if I don't have hands, I'll praise him with my mouth. I used to think, oh, I don't like that song. It feels like you're just getting chopped down. But you kind of get the idea. And if I don't have a mouth, I'll praise him with my spirit. What, are, what am I telling you this morning? Nothing can separate you from God. I said nothing can separate you from the love of God. So if you lose one thing, praise him with what you've got. And listen, this is the glory of it because even when this mortal body has come to its end, when it's breathed its last breath, when it's sung its last song, when I preach my last sermon, my soul will be in the presence of God. Nothing will be able to separate me from God's love. Somebody ought to get excited this morning. You can overwhelmingly conquer through Christ who loved you. This is our Jesus. This is our gospel. This is the message that we preach. I can overcome every adversity, every trial, every test, every shame of the past, every brokenness of yesterday because I am in Christ and in Christ all things are mine. Somebody give God praise in his house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just stay on your feet for two minutes more. This is the last one I want to read to you. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. Why am I an overcomer? Why can I overwhelmingly conquer? Because Christ has overcome the world, because I cannot be separated from God's love, and because I no longer live. When you got saved, the old man died. Before you got saved, you were someone 
Then you got saved, you're someone else. Used to be a liar, now tells the truth. Used to be broke all the time, now prospers. Used to steal, now gives. Come on, somebody. This is why I can overwhelmingly conquer. Because it is no longer Isaac who's living, but Christ living on the inside of you and I that gives us the power to conquer, the power to overcome. Paul said, the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This morning, you have the victory in Christ. Walk in it. Walk in it by faith. I want you to say this with me this morning. I am more than a conqueror. One more time. I am more than a conqueror. Three times. Seal the deal. I am more than a conqueror through the love of God. Give the Lord a hand of praise in his house this morning. Here's what I want you to do. Because listen, the word is all. It's no area of your life. Where you should not be able to have victory. So you might say, Pastor, right now I'm, I'm going strong in my relationship with God, but my money's funny. I'm losing in my money. Or you say, God, right now my finances are good, but my relationship's iffy. Or God, my, my relationships are good, but my health is struggling. Whatever that part is where there's a weakness, where there is... Where there is lack, I want you just to bring that to God this morning. Because there's victory for you this morning. The victory is in Jesus. I said the victory is in Jesus. Would you come? Every single person in here has victory this morning. Come on, just bring whatever it is that need is to God this morning. You are more than a conqueror to Christ. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Not a trial, not a test, not trouble. Not difficulty. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Who can be against you? If God is for your health, who can be against your health? If God is for your finances, who can be against your finances? If God is for your marriage, who can stand against it? Fight from victory this morning. Fight from victory.